Hello and welcome back to the Bill podcast with the one and only, the majestic Kerry Pears. I know I use the term legend a lot. I also use words like wow a lot. Well, wow, how lucky am I to have recorded this special trilogy with Kerry Pears. And I hope you will enjoy part two as we begin a deep dive into her time as one of the all-time great CID characters in Susie Croft. There's lots of gold dust to enjoy, so stick the kettle on, put your feet up, relax, and enjoy part two of this trilogy with a true Sun Hill legend. When I interviewed Tom Kotcher for the <laughs> podcast, he was saying he, he likes he likes to paint because he likes to still be creative. So if he gets the call, he hasn't had months where he's not been creative in any way. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you know, if if you've got a little gap, especially with lockdown, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's really important to keep the creative juices flowing, and he is really creative. Uh, Tom, he's also a really good writer. I worked with uh, Tom a lot when I first went into uh, the bill. I, I adored Tom, and in fact, for a while we batted around an idea. He had an idea that two of us would try and make this series, some kind of series together. But he's a good writer. I remember reading it and thinking, yeah, this is great. If you could get this off the ground. He's very talented, Tom. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, quite right on the keeping the creative juices flowing, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so as a as a young actor just turning professional, how 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 was your journey in terms of, you know, did you have to get an equity card and all that sort of stuff? Like what how how did it happen? Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was really kind of it was a very strange journey that for me actually. Drama school, I mean, I loved it. I lo- this is where all my mates came from. You know, we lived in Belsize Park, glorious. You know, in fact, a couple of my friends still live in the same incredible flat. So it was it was absolutely fabulous uh, time at drama school. And coming out of drama school felt relatively easy. I came out with a great agent, but back in those days, as you say about the equity card you had to have an equity card in order to work. So you had to find somewhere that would could also give you, not just the part, but the equity card. And theatres only, I think they had two to give away per year. Couldn't get them from filming or you could get them from, if you, you know, some clever people worked around it, did sort of party entertainments or something over a number of <laughs> months to get their equity card. The first job that I was offered was a TV film called uh, The Heat of the Day, which Christopher Morahan. Uh, may he rest in peace wonderful director I was so excited about it it was all my scenes would have been with Michael Gambon I mean it was just crazy exciting but I didn't have a card uh, so the next um, audition I had was with another wonderful director Robin Herford who is known in the industry for his beauty of spirit and kindness mm-hmm. um, I didn't know that then I did, also I didn't know who Christopher Morahan was then yeah. <laughs> He was just a big director. That's all. <laughs> so I met with uh, Robin Herford uh, for a season in Scarborough in uh, Eightbourne's Theatre. I did my, you had to do audition pieces because you were just fresh out of drama school. So I did my audition pieces. I've just, I'm in this situation. I've been offered this amazing part and told him all about the job, uh, but I don't have an equity card. Can you give me any advice uh, how I could go about getting that? And he said, leave it with me. I'll get back to you. Two, two who he is (laughs) he called my agent the next day and said we can't offer Kerry a part but we can offer her I can promise her give her a guarantee I think that's what it was called then we can give her a guarantee 
of an equity card so that she can do the job. <laughs> Amazing. But then he also <laughs> talked to Alan Akebourne about me. And um, so then Alan Akebourne requested to meet me. So he offered me, he was writing a, a kid's show at the time, Miss Ray's Amazing Maze Plays. He was writing it for a, a boy, a boy and his dog. And then he changed it to a girl and his dog <laughs> and gave me the part. And it, when it was offered up, it was all set to then go into the West End. And my agent preferred that job. My agent at the time preferred that job over the film job. Yeah, it actually kind of broke my heart because I really wanted to do the film job. Yeah. <laughs> But I did have an amazing time working with Alan Aikman, who, of course, is a genius. Absolutely. <laughs> so so that was my start. So I can't say that it was it really wasn't hard. It, no. it didn't feel hard. I felt really lucky and really. Well, I'm not even sure I did. I think I just thought this is how it goes. Yeah. You, you know, time because you're yeah. young guy and you just go like, oh, this must be how it works. <laughs> mm. It was only later on when I saw actually how hard the business can be that I thought, Oh my God, I was so lucky. Yeah. I was so lucky. So lucky. Yeah. Did, did you have, or do you have any sort of acting heroes or inspirations, like people you admire on stage oh God, or screen? So, I mean, there's so, at the moment, so I was just thinking, of, I just go work, work my way backwards. Pamela Adlin, I think that's, I'm pronouncing her surname correctly. Uh, she's, she did the series Better Things. Have you seen that? No, no. Oh, 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 I mean, she's just, uh, she's just extraordinary. She's outstanding. She's, I love what she does. She's incredible. She's very funny, but she's very, very real. Again, she's, she's sort of, she's playing a middle-aged uh, woman and she's been very, very true, truthful. Uh, she doesn't always look brilliant. She looks like we look when we get up in the morning, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, so at the moment she's really high on my list. Early on, they are quite a lot of American actors actually that I, mm. I really love. Uh, Jessica Lang um, mm. and her husband, Sam Shepard, both of them early on in my uh, career. And I still think they're incredible. Oh, I love that thing that Jessica Lang has uh, that I think Sarah Stewart has as well, actually, of of being just there's something sort of quite glamorous and film starry about yes. them, but also a kind of underbelly of raw. I'm very attracted to that, and also I think Sam Shepard has the same kind of deal going on. Like he's not conventional looking; he's the ordinary kind of skinny sort of tall guy to look at. But he's got an amazing charisma, uh, which makes him sexy. And mm. he's, he does very, very naturalistic acting. Whereas Jessica Lang does a kind of more of a starry sort of... Yeah. I like that combination. Either very, very real or a bit flash, a bit starry, you know. What are your favourite uh, theatre jobs you've, you've had over the years or any roles in particular that you've really enjoyed getting your teeth into? That's really easy. I mean, there are a lot of them, but it is really, it's pretty easy. I, immediately, my favourites like go into my head. The father that I did with, uh, uh, it's just been made into a film. So it was written by Florian Zeller, who is an incredible writer. And um, Kenneth Allen Taylor, who is, I think he was 80 when we did it. And I knew him from Nottingham Playhouse. So he used to be a director at Nottingham Playhouse. So I've known him since... I was 19, so I knew him from way back. And uh, the play is about um, a man who has uh, Alzheimer's and it's written 
from his perspective. So it's quite an extraordinary uh, piece by Florian Zeller. And I know Florian Zeller is sort of all over the place at the moment. They did The Sun uh, in, in the West End there. And, and actually, a mate of mine played The Sun. He was brilliant. That show had the most fantastic, tight cast around it. So working with Kenneth, who's never off stage in that part, 80-year-old guy who makes you think you are never allowed to be, I'm never going to allow myself to be tired, under-energised, or think that I can't pull something off just because I'm getting older. Because there he was, kicking it every night, breaking hearts, making people laugh. I'm just excited. And I got to play his daughter. So uh, extraordinary piece of theatre. And Oldham Coliseum, which is one of my favourite local theatres to work in. And it's covered by the Manchester Evening News Awards, which I think has stopped now. But anyway, the play won it all. <laughs> it yeah. went up all, uh, and Ken won and, you know, uh, and deservedly so. Brilliant. So that one, The Father, beautiful people, beautiful play. Uh, kind of the, the pinnacle of my personal you know, parts you dream of, uh, A Streetcar Named Desire. I got to play Blanche <laughs> in, in that, which it was incredible for me because it came up at Theatre Fluid. Of course, every actress wants to play that part. But I thought, I'd, I'll never get cast as that. You know, I'll never, I'd never get cast as Blanche Dubois. <laughs> I was thinking blonde, tall, beautiful, you know, all these other attributes that I didn't have. And, and Nikolai Foster, the amazing Nikolai Foster, who I've, he runs the curve now and I've worked with many, many, many times over the years since then. Um, so he cast me and I really feel I can say this. It was banging. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it, I, I feel like we blew it out of the water. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So that was extraordinary. And then more recently, I did a kids show, which I hadn't done since doing that show for Alan Aikborn. Christian Patterson directed that again. It was at Theatre Clues. Um, and I <laughs> And I, I started, I did it and I had the best time. We laughed all the way through. It was like brilliant actors, wonderful piece. Uh, yeah, it was just absolutely amazing. And uh, called Wave Me Goodbye. And uh, another ex-U theatre person had adapted it, Emma, um, had written it brilliantly. And I just thought when, when I was doing that, why did I, why have I not done kids shows? Yeah. <laughs> Well, how have I not done that? Because this is the best fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we had a, a great time there. And then uh, Pride and Prejudice uh, that we did uh, at Nottingham Playhouse in York. Again, mainly, often it's to do with the cast. Often yeah. I think I played Mrs. Bennett, which of course, which is a fun, fun part to play, great part. But But really a lot of my decisions about what's fabulous and what isn't is to do with the people that I'm surrounded by. Was Chris Timothy in that production? No, but I have worked with Chris Timothy. We did um, Anne Frank uh, <gasps> together, and he played Mr Frank, and I was Mrs Frank. <laughs> really? uh, uh, yeah, what a lovely, lovely man. Lovely very, man. Very generous. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I got to know him doing the All Creatures book, and just he was just like so unassuming and genuine. I, I yeah, lucky you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he did a speech at the end of that show, at the end of Anne Frank as Mr Frank, that I, I would stand in the wings every night to listen to him do that speech because, it, I mean, it yeah. just really got you in the heart, you know, every single night he did that. He's an amazing guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and your, I mean, your guest part 
in the bill, which we we talked about before, but I'll say it again. You are mesmerising. <laughs> you are. It's, considering it's one of your first ever tellies, I mean, you should be really proud of that performance. And and as I said again, I'll say it again. I feel you brought out the best in, in Tony Scannell. Like I felt he upped his game to match you. And, and it's just two actors really delivering the goods there. And it's a it's a jewel in the crown of that era of the bill, genuinely. It's, it's... Oh, thanks for that. I mean, we yeah, we have talked about, we talked about this when we were talking about Tony, weren't we? And um, and yeah, it was a joy to me uh, working with Tony. And he was really, I think I said to you before, he was really protective of me, but I really wanted to stay in the zone uh, and yeah. was really protective of that. And, and I think, you know, Chris Hodson directed and, wonderful director but I think I, I think the producers sort of recognized that we were doing something kind of a bit different and maybe or I don't know they loved yeah. it because anyway, they turned it in it was only meant to be one episode and they turned it into two so I think um yeah that was it was I loved that experience I really loved it and it was one of the it was certainly the first telly where I had like a proper role you know um, I might have done like little tiny little bits before and other things but but yeah, it was the first one where I had like a proper role on telly. And where does that kind of, because is that instinctive? Because, I mean, you get like extreme close-ups in that, you know, in, in that role when, when we first find you on the bed and just in complete shock. And like you you, you literally fill the screen with your, your tears. And like, where does that instinct come from? You know, you've been trained, presumably in theatre, but weren't training for television or screen, but I'm, I'm guessing at drama school back then, or, or no. did you do any? No. No, so I think that is instinctive. I mean, I always really liked when we were at uh, drama school, uh, I always really liked it when we did um, studio shows. So the audience are really right in your you know they're right there on top of you aren't they and it's that extreme again I really I really like big showy parts and I really like tiny tiny let's just think what we're thinking as the character and um, some tiny little performances so I think that I did think I do think that came quite kind of quite naturally I did quite a lot of studio uh, shows and quite intense pieces we did Top Girls in our last year at drama school so and I was playing Joyce in that which is a you know quite an intense role in a studio space so that probably gave me the grounding that I needed for that for just staying in that moment and keeping it real <laughs> and do you think that, that guest performance got you Susie yeah it did yeah I know I know yeah I know it did because uh, Pat Sands the amazing Pat Sands uh, producer on the bill so Pat brought me in for that she'd been the producer on what turned into that two-parter she'd been the producer on that and she got me in for that. and she virtually did the interview for me really? wow. <laughs> she wow. Did. Yeah, she did so I was doing a play up at Liverpool Playhouse I think at the time and I only had like an afternoon to get down there. I had to get back to Liverpool uh, and Pat basically yeah she basically conducted the interview with the other producers and the exec producer Michael Chapman for me really when I got a bit stumped for you know uh, they were asking me questions and uh, Pat would answer for me <laughs> wow. I know she, I, I really I loved her I loved her she was great and I think again my ignorance sort of helped me out a bit there as well along the way is that Mike I remember Michael Chapman said to me I mean would you be interested in taking on a long 
you know, a year's contract here going, <laughs> again, I'm, you know, my total ignorance of how to treat people uh, who are in, higher up in the hierarchy to you, I think, helps. So I just went, well, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't, would I? <laughs> <laughs> and he just laughed. <laughs> yeah. And I think he kind of liked that sort of, that I wasn't putting him on some kind of pedestal. That's kind of a, um, a characteristic of Susie that I always admired is that she was never afraid to speak her mind to anyone. Yeah, I think like from me off, that's yeah. the case. And so, what? How? What did you like about her character, and how similar was the Kerry Piers of nineteen ninety three to Susie Croft? I think the Kerry Piers of then and Susie Croft were probably quite similar. Susie Croft was was uh, quite serious and did speak her mind or find or bit her tongue very hard when she had to. And I think that during that period of my life, I think I too was very serious. <laughs> right. Very serious about a lot of things. I joined Greenpeace at that point and environment was a big issue for me. And they still are. I'm just less kind of batter people over the head with it now than I was then. You know, I think I was quite like Susie, really. I think maybe she was more go get than me, you know, sort of more. Uh, she was bolder. Uh, than I am as a person but yeah otherwise there's a lot of similarities I, I think if I could go back in time I think I would have liked to have brought out the humour in Susie a bit more I, th I think when I worked with Ian Fletcher like more of the humour came out in Susie uh, on when I was with him whereas like Andrew McIntosh and I were usually falling about laughing before a take we'd have a lot of the humour off screen. Well, you you two, it's it's still considered one of the great pairings in the Bills. Is that right? History. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it very often when you, I mean, the Billiton, who's up the main Bill, uh, you know, fan website and and Twitter following, when they do polls, the pair of you together, it's one of the great celebrated. I mean, there's there's literally two fans I can think of now where the pair of you are their favourite characters of any. Wow, two fans. You, you know, who, who just love watching. I mean, you do have such wonderful chemistry because at that time, it's very interesting, that era of the bill, because there's a lot of conflict in CID and a lot of change yeah. with, you know, there's a lot of cast turnover throughout the 90s. Yeah. Um, and the pair of you are like kind of the, the staples, really, of we feel safe with these two guys because they work well together. Oh, that's and really I, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, there's a lovely one where you're investigating a burglary and Andy's on the roof being shown the roof and he looks down and then you pop your head out of the window, almost like sooty and sweet. And he goes, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and he just said, well, he, he didn't get in this way. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lovely one I watched the other day called With This Ring. Rowena Cooper's the guest star. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Lovely performance. And um the uh the sister it's about two sisters who maybe one's robbed each other the sister is buttering up ds greg proper uh charming him and she pours him a cup of tea you know in this lovely china hands it to him and then susie walks in the room you play it perfectly which is help yourself and you give this embittered look where he's got the, the rolls royce treatment you've got to pour your own tea and you just do this great great look where it's like the kind of like oh thanks a bunch you know what i've got to do all this myself have i you do all very nice business in the in the back of shot it's oh, just a, 
I feel like I was really, really lucky with the people that I got teamed up with, you know. I mean, Andy, I, Andy and I just, we just laughed. We just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And laughed. I, I don't, I'm not sure I've ever met anyone whose sense of humour, you know, we were on the, so, so the same wavelength sense of humour. Yeah. He, he just reminds me a little bit of my younger brother. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so this is kind of a way of explaining that sort of type of humour. Me and my brother, where he lives in Norway, so, but we when we get together, we laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. He'll say things, no one else in the room is laughing. It's just me and him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think me and Andy were like that. It was, yeah. it was just that kind of, he's got a slightly off kilter sense of humour. Yeah. And, well, you know, you've spoken to Andy a lot. He's got a slightly off kind of, yeah, and it's also, it's got, it's quite a use your imagination sense of humour as well. And that, that really appeals to me because I'm very um, image driven, you know, sort of I really uh. see things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we laughed a lot, but not necessarily, we didn't necessarily make anyone else laugh. <laughs> <laughs> You've got some nice movies. I, I watched one the other day. You and Martin Marquez is a is a fly posting um, story. I don't and, even remember that. Yeah, you bring this guy in for questioning, and he and he and he he says, "What you know? Are you going to grasp me up to the England revenue?" And and you have a little you have a little guffaw, you know, or, or like sort of hiding your the fact that this gentleman's got the got the name of it wrong you know so it was little little moments of uh i was probably uh not not entirely focused on uh on remembering that exactly because uh i was working with martin and that would have been quite unusual to do an episode uh me and martin yeah yeah and uh i was i was quite quite fancied him all oh, right yeah i'm sorry I, I, so I was a bit sort of like oh, it's martin yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> very talented, handsome chap. Handsome, um, handsome chap. Yeah. Yeah. The bill was still getting sixteen and a half million viewers. Oh, yeah. Like, it must have changed yeah. your life from a fame recognition perspective. In, in some ways, <laughs> not sure if this is what you want to hear, but in some ways, it kind of damaged me a little bit because I'd gone from jobbing along really nicely, you know, the career going very well to this absolute sudden and shocking fame that, I mean, we're not talking about big starry fame, you know, where you make millions of pounds and uh, all of that, but it was suddenly you're recognized by everyone because I think it, I think it went between 16 and 20 million, the viewing figure. So I think we were, it was always a sort of competition between the bill, Coronation Street and EastEnders. I think that's how it went. So one of them would be around there. So it was this, I mean, you don't hear of viewing figures like that now, do you? I mean, it's crazy. So yeah, and that, and they, no one prepared you for it. No one said, well, you're going to do this job, you know, the initial contract was a year. No one said, well, you're going to come on. And then a few weeks after you've started, you'll be walking down the street and everyone will recognise you and watch you look at you, stare at you, follow you, ask for autographs, want photographs. And it was a, sh- it was a real shock. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite know how to describe it, but for, uh, I think that's where I started to, to get properly shy, like properly. And this is not because anyone was ever anything other than really nice to me. Everyone was always really, really nice to me. 
but I, I just I couldn't get used to getting looked at. <laughs> Well, there's no training for that, the loss of your anonymity, is there? No. You know, it's no, gone. it's just gone. That's yeah. it. You just run out your flat to go round the corner to the off-licence and, you know, you've got your slips on it. And everyone's going like, oh, is it? And I'm, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's a very strange experience. And did people ever, like, get confused between fiction and reality and actually think of you yeah. as... A yeah, not o- yeah, not often. I mean, people are, you know, I think generally people are like pretty, you know, intelligent. And they've got it sorted out, who's who. But um, but yeah, definitely. People would say to you, you know, why are you so... I had this from a few different people. I don't know what episode it was, but uh, people say to me, why are you so mean to Skase? Why are you so mean to him? And I'm like, it's not me. I didn't write it. <laughs> I love him. He's my mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, but, it's a yeah. great pairing, wasn't it? Because he was such a, a such a brilliant character, that kind of chauvinism, and you know, and, and just not doing things, you know, correct or any real force sometimes. With, yeah, that with really skates, sometimes it? really thick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I loved that. I loved I loved playing with him because it was really something you had really, a, a, you know, very solid character to play against. That yeah, he's sometimes a bit dim. And as you say, misogynistic, and it was a real kind of bumping something to bump against. I, I really enjoyed that, yeah. And also, he's just a really lovely guy. Uh, just he's adorable, yeah. Work with gorgeous man. After Jay Griffiths and Mary Jo Randall left, I mean, it's it's over two years before you know you're you're the only female CID character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might might even be the longest period of time where that was the case, and so. What was your thought process? Because they had a lot of new characters coming in. The story. Yeah, I, I can, I'll tell you exactly what that what, what that that what happened. So I was yeah, I was the only female in CID, and of course that so they the writers would want to write storylines for me, but other writers who were writing storylines for other because up to the writers what they wrote uh, who were writing for other people, they would need a female presence. So, and I was the only female CID. Yeah. So, I mean, I was earning quite a bit during that period because I was in so many episodes, but I was also exhausted because I'd be doing my own storylines or maybe a partnering a storyline and feeling like being the body in the room for a lot of other episodes. So it was really Yeah. I went to the producers and I begged them. I said, please, 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 can we get another woman in CID? Because I'm... I love yeah. making the money, but I'm knackered. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they said, they're like, well, you know, we're, we'll think about it. We're thinking about it. Then I took them, I took them a tape of one of my friends and said, can you watch this person, please? This person's really good. Maybe you consider this person for a woman in CID. That was not uh, taken up. And then Libby Davis came in to do a visiting yeah. role. Yes. And uh, I thought she was really good. And um, so I went to the producers and I literally begged them to watch her stuff and take it seriously as a role to mm. as a woman for CID. And they did. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was I was so gratified on so many levels because I was like, they listened, they listened yeah. to what I had to say. They even took the female that I recommended and yeah. um, and Libby got the role and of course was great. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> in my flat for a bit. I felt I had to offer that to her as soon as I oh wow I put her in that position. 
they gave sort of joint storylines to you both for quite a while as well when she's established. Yeah, they did, yeah. Um, which is nice. And and they just started to pepper in the sort of real life stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's an episode where Sue, it's called Going Down. Susie discovers her ex-boyfriend dead. He's he, he's swallowed yeah. a, a condom full of cocaine. Yeah, I, I never watched that back. I wasn't, are we allowed to say this on these podcasts? But I wasn't terribly pleased with that performance, to be honest. I do remember it. But, uh, but you're, yeah. you're great in it. I think the problem with the episode is that, the, I mean, and it's not the actors, Colin Baker, and you know, the the, the adults do not behave like rational, well-to-do <laughs> parents. Like the rationale is just the whole episode is like, well, I think you and Libby are brilliant in it, and you you pull this guy off, get off of him, you know, don't touch him. Yeah, and, you know, that. he's already gone. You're brilliant. I, I think you're fantastic, and it was great that they really gave you almost a, a sort of personal backstory, which. They, they hadn't really been doing no, for a no. while. No, no, we didn't really get that. I mean, that that was just the beginnings, I think, when they'd started to do a bit of that with the characters. And they, Michael Chapman had always wanted to keep it very clean, just yes. the police, uh, their, their life in the police and not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That was interesting, that, yeah. If you'd like to support Kerry's Accidental Guru TV pilot, they're currently in post-production and they're looking for some extra support. You can find the campaign on GoFundMe.com and the link is in the description of this podcast. Perks include getting your name on the closing credits of the pilot. There's lots of Susie Croft anecdotes coming up in part three. Make sure you tune in and enjoy them. If you're enjoying this Gold Dust with Kerry, well, you could have enjoyed it six months ago on Patreon because Sergeant patrons of the Build podcast get access to releases six months in advance. So right now, while you're listening to Kerry on SoundCloud, they're enjoying six podcasts in advance, including a special quadrilogy with the fantastic Ian Fletcher, a.k.a. DC Rod Skase. If you'd like to unlock over 50 hours of bonus content, including video commentaries of cast and crew, reaction and analysis videos, Misty Moon reunion highlights, there's loads on there. It would be wonderful to see you on there. Loads of chat and discussion between the patrons. I'm really grateful for everyone's support. That's patreon.com forward slash the build podcast. Right now, I'll hand you over to another Sunhill legend, Mr. Ben Payton, to read our closing credit to our inspector and chief super patrons, the co-producer and executive producers of the bill podcast. My huge gratitude to them. Take it away, 007. Hello, this is Ben Payton, and you have been listening to the bill podcast. Produced and presented by Oliver Crocker. Co-produced by Ben Adams, Sarah Kuiper, Alex Mockler and Simon Wolfe. Executive produced by Glenn Allen, Ben Ashmore, Daniel Christopher, Alana Dewar, Andrew Dyack, Paul Dunn, Dan Evans, George Fairbrother, Stuart Gibbon, Aaron Gordon, Luke Hegarty, Edward Kellett, James Ledane, Lucy McNeil, Stuart and Jen Morris, Claire Norbury, Justin Pitt, Tom Sherrington, Angel Stannard, Patrick Stratford, Sarah Went and Michael Weil. Brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com and Misty Moon Events. Signed copies of Oliver Crocker's book, Witness Statements, are available from devonfirebooks.com.